Welcome to Capes, Cows, and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm Jake Hart. And I'm David Oscar. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at all the biggest news that come out that has come out in the last couple of weeks. Some good, some bad, but we'll get into that. But before we do, Dave, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's uh, obviously coming to the end of January now. We've had our time to recollect our thoughts and uh, try and get some order to, to 2021, despite everything that's happening outside. Um, I've been using the time to try and get some structure and sort through, through some stuff. As you know, I was going through a lot of like comics and uh, old collectibles, etc. And yeah, it actually made me like realize some some history I have with comics, which I had never talked about as well when we originally started this show. And I was talking about my history with with comic stuff, and I was like, oh, I forgot about this entire like aspect of my life as well. So yeah, it's been it's been a fun time going through back through stuff. But but you know, as far as uh, content wise, that it has taken away a bit from that. So it's just been enjoying the the main you know Disney Plus stuff we've been getting, etc. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, since we lasted the main show, WandaVision has premiered with the first three episodes. You can obviously check out our reviews that are up now for anyone interested. But yeah, man, it's just been a lot of Marvel news recently, a lot of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany talking to the press and stuff. So it's been fun, man. It's like we said on the on the WandaVision reviews, I, I feel that the MCU is back, you know, that feeling of like, oh, yes, it's coming and what's going to happen next sort of thing. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying that aspect. And, um, yeah, I've seen some of the stuff you sent us uh, on the group chat, that uh, Darth Maul watch uh, from the Phantom Menace. Oh, album. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Again, I was, I was talking to you before we recorded about the cartoon big mouth on netflix and there's like an episode of that with a child has to sort of move in with their father and they're like oh mum, like please send me my bed in i'm having to sleep on um promotional phantom menace pillows at the moment and i was like <laughs> i relate so much to this right now because i had so much phantom menace like merch as a kid and uh, <laughs> like i even have there was a ring binder folder that i kept like I used to do like loads of drawing and stuff when I was a kid, so I forgot that I used to like make my own comics essentially, and um I kept like a bunch of those and scripts and stuff in like a ring binder, which was Phantom Menace, and on the one side is Anakin in his pod racer uh, helmet, and on the other side is Sebulba, <laughs> and I was just like, you know, forget <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong, this is you know the adversaries of the century according to this <laughs> ring binder is you know Sebulba and Anakin. When uh, Kathleen Kennedy said the rematch of the century, that's what I'm expecting. I, that's I, what she means. <laughs> so was coming back. Yeah, it's going to be another pod race. Darth Vader, just in a black pod racer. <laughs> Obi-Wan on the side, like, you can do it, Anakin. Like. <laughs> yeah, man, I just, because when you sent that picture of that Darth Maul watch, it just brought back memories for me as well of that era of Star Wars merch mm. was absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like, they were... I couldn't believe it. Like the stuff they would make that they would just slap like a Darth Maul thing on it or, yeah. a, or a, or a Jar Jar thing on it. And I'm just like, it was wild. I remember I had so much Jar Jar merch, yeah. which is, which is insane. Uh, I mean, speaking of Star Wars, I haven't watched much, obviously apart from WandaVision, but I was fortunate enough to get all the Skywalker saga films on 4k. So I've been doing a rewatch of those and, Man, I love Star Wars. What can I say? Yeah. You know, and what if I told you it's possible to like all nine Star Wars films? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and do you know I think that's where I am at with Star Wars. Like obviously I've got some well, the original trilogy are obviously perfect. But you know, I've got my issues with the prequels, I've got some issues with the sequels, but overall for me, the good just outweighs the bad so much and I love the mythos and the lore and the emotional canon and the characters and everything it just it just it brings ultimate joy watching these films so yeah you know i love all nine shoot you know you can give me your hot takes on why rise of skywalker is a bad movie that's fine i'm i'm just gonna enjoy it so that's sort of where i am as a star wars fan now like we have criticisms of mandalorian but again overall it just pleases my heart so much. So, man, I just I just love Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much of it out there as well at the moment. And we've always said, isn't it, you can be whatever type of Star Wars fan you want as well. So, again, you know, I'm waiting for my sort of watch through again to sort of like fully solidify my opinions. 
But, you know, I was never going to go into those films being like, oh, I'm going to hate this, you know, because, you know, as somebody who grew up, like, always liking the prequels and always defending them, then I know what that is like. So I was, you know, I, I always knew this, like, well, this is my Star Wars, you know, whatever they do is never going to sort of be able to touch that kind of thing. So, you know, that that's where I saw, like, I'm down on it, is the fact that, like, look, these six films are kind of, like, close to my heart kind of thing, so that you can't mm-hmm. touch that. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't, like, enjoy and, like, respect and find loads of avenues and aspects that they they did really good. And, you know, it's, it's led to some, some fantastic stuff within Star Wars, which, like I said, you know, I, I still can't help but, like, delve into a lot of it. And I'm really excited for the Disney Plus shows we'll be getting as well. Yeah, I think I think the future, not just for Star Wars, but nerd culture in general, is looking bright. Mm. And, you know, they're constantly saying Star Wars is dead. Comic book movies are dead. You know, it's getting stale. Well, clearly not, because they're pumping out more content than ever. Yeah. Speaking of content, though, let's crack on with the news because we've got some stuff to talk about. I want to let's talk about this because I just want to get this out of the way. I'm tired about speaking about it. You're tired about hearing about it. Let's face it, everyone listening to the show is tired about hearing about it. But it is unfortunately more movie delays. So, like a couple of ones to highlight here, relevant to this show, uh, the Morbius film. That was pushed to October, and then Sony were like, actually, push it to 2022. So that's coming out in January of 2022. That We've got to wait a year now for that film. Uh, that's, I think, that's becoming a New Mutants type of film yeah, now, exactly. I think. I'll ask your thoughts about it. Uh, with a couple of others as well. Of course, we've got The Kingsman. That's coming out now on the 20th of August. And, oh my God... There apparently is more time to die because 007 No Time to Die <laughs> has been moved again <laughs> to 8th of October. There was obviously a few other films, you know, Ghostbusters and some of others, but I think these are sort of the main ones that people were talking about. Dave, what do you think, man? I mean, I don't think there's really anything else we no, can say sorry. that we haven't said already. Where do you begin, isn't it? I saw somebody on Twitter say something really sensible. They were like, if movie studios are going to keep delaying, why do they keep delaying to winter months? They know how, you know, the pandemic works by now or how just viral infections in general work. So if anything, like we saw with Tenant and New Mutants, summer is probably the best bet you're going to be able to open a film within a year like 2021. So why move Bond to like, yeah, let's put in a winter month where we might be <laughs> jeopardizing ourselves again so it's just a lot of weird decisions but i'm not going to sit here and pretend that i'm like a movie executive and we've said it before um in private conversation obviously we we assume that there's a lot of business decisions and a lot of ulterior motives to why they're doing this but i still think the you know delay fatigue is a thing and is going to be a thing i think it's just damaging these movies the more you do it people just lose interest like to me i feel like i've seen no time to die now i've i've like Again, I know general audiences aren't all movie buffs. They don't go to the cinema as much as me, people like me and you. So they probably haven't seen that film trailer a hundred <laughs> times like I have. But at the same time, can you genuinely say that like even just somebody like a family member would then see No Time to Die advertised and be like, oh, wow, there's a new James Bond film out and not just go, oh, yeah, there's that James Bond film that I remember seeing like two years ago. It's, you know, they might just think it's like, oh, yeah, that's probably coming on a TV or something like that. It's, you know, once people have seen something and it's been embedded a bit into our, like, pop culture and we've seen the visuals of it enough, people just sort of get used to it. And I think that I just don't know why they're clinging on so much. I can understand with, like, films like Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, obviously, that's a different scenario because they've actually decided to go earlier on that. But if they had decided to delay it, that would have been fair enough because we hadn't seen anything from that film. Eternals, Shang-Chi, all these movies, fair enough. But I just don't think that, like, you know, Mulan, No Time to Die, Black Widow, Kingsman are all these films that were, like, ready to go and they can't just keep going, oops, sorry. <laughs> like, it is just literally pulling the rug from under you. You're like, no, it was, like, it was about to release. You can't just keep going, oh, sorry, I know you were going to wait two weeks originally. You know, before it was like, okay, we have to wait another three months, but... You know, like waiting like an, an another year and a half when it was like ready to come out. It's just it's just 
too damaging, I think. You just have to kind of just bite the bullet, I think. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think delay fatigue is the thing. I see what they're trying to do because they want to get maximum box office, you know, get all the butts in the seats. But if anything, this is kind of hindering that because, like you said, people are like, oh, I feel as if I've already seen this, the trailers and stuff like that. And eventually when it does come out in cinemas, I can guarantee you there'll probably be a lot of people who's like, meh, I'll just wait for it to drop on like streaming or something. Yeah, exactly. like, I've, I've waited this long, you know. <laughs> yeah, I might as well wait another three months yeah. for it to come out on the streaming. Like, so... That, which was sort of my mentality with Mulan. Mm. Where when they when they dropped that on PVOD, I was like, oh, okay, I was considering it. And then they said, oh, by the way, it's dropping on Disney Plus in December. Yeah. I was like, I'll just wait till then. Like, yeah. cause, like, because I, I was like, oh, whatever. So I feel as if with these type of films, we're going to get a similar scenario. Morbius, like, I'm just like, I watched the trailer again recently. I was like, I'll watch the trailer again just to see films. You know, what's it trying to say? And I was like. Yeah, it could be fun, but I feel as if I already know where this film's going to go. And I was just like, I just want to see it. It looks done. Just give it to us. And a film like Morbius and The Kingsman, let, let's be real here. The Kingsman's already an established franchise. And I feel with Kingsman, and you brought it up, that it kind of feels like a similar New Mutant scenario that Disney has acquired this, has acquired this, not really knowing what to do with it, doesn't really care for it in a way. And is just going like, oh, let, just release it at some point sort of thing. So I think eventually the August date for it, that has to be the day. Because any further delays of there, I'm just like, well, what are you doing? Uh, the same goes for Bond. At that point, just sell it to someone because because I'm pretty sure some, some people will pay a p pretty penny for it. But don't be stupid and ask for $600 million. <laughs> like, you know, no, That's not going to happen. I, mean, it's, I, I understand that, that. So again, with Black Widow, I can understand with No Time to Die in some ways because... Guyfall is like a billion dollar film. But again, it's like, I think you would have to be very specific about the films that do that. Like you said, Morbius and Kingsman, you know, at most, they're kind of like 200, 300 million, you know, dollar movies. They're not going to be yeah. like, you know, at most. Yeah. So I don't know why they keep clinging on for dear life for these films that are not going to make them that much money anyway, especially if it's got like a 150 million budget where you're like, well, it's not going to get you that much in return anyway so what's the point it's you know bizarre and with no time to die it's you know it, like i said i just don't think it could make that much money in this current climate yeah maybe a marvel film but not that but that's what i mean because yeah skyfall made a billion dollars but what came after it specter which wasn't received well at all no, you know yeah. and then pr pretty soon after that you get the sort of questionable attitude from daniel craig about playing the character yeah again. It's, you know, slit his, his wrists and play him yeah, again. Yeah, which was, you know, it's it's still it left people a bit salty about him, and yeah. you know, there's an ele there's an element of like, oh, is he just going to sort of sleep act through this film? So mm. we're all questioning that, and then you add all the delays on top of it. It's just it feels like a mess that you just need to get out in the open, mm. literally dump that mess and move yeah. on because yeah. it's just weird to me that after films like Dark Phoenix that the studios haven't learned their lesson because again to go through all of that okay yeah they did reshoot parts of the film but to watch it and go well that was crap <laughs> you know and like why did you hold on for it for that long what was the point just like just release it because they know they obviously never had any intention to carry on with those characters yeah maybe Kingsman etc hopefully you know Matthew Vaughan keeps saying that they want to spin off into new films and stuff but at the same time, I think you're still perfectly reasonable to go, well, this is like an origin story anyway, so we can get away with putting this on streaming and having the rest still come out in cinemas because it hasn't got Taron Egerton and it hasn't got Colin Firth, which I think are the big draws of those other films. So, you know, this one hasn't got as big a names. And yeah, like we've said, No Time to Die, I think that there's a lot, you know, I, I came out of Spectre pretty like, uh, you know, I, you know I, I, I've been hit and miss with James Bond films all my life. But, but yeah, I think that is an element going into that film so i think that they they do just kind of need to realize that potentially that money isn't there to be made at the moment i think the only thing that could do it is like a massive marvel film or jurassic park or something like that yeah well speaking of massive films that's not coming to cinemas the controversial as always Zack schneider's justice league now this is relatively big news it got a lot of people talking and once again he's on his social media um, account Vero or uh, doing his stuff as he loves to play with the fans and stuff like that and um, somebody asked him what 
is the film going to be released uh, in like a, as a one shot or is it going to be the four hour part series, which was confirmed by Zach earlier on uh, last year. And he has confirmed it is going to be a one shot. It will be a four hour feature film. So obviously this is going to be dropping on HBO Max. Still no news yet on how we're going to be able to see it outside of the US, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get some news very soon because the, uh, there's some rumblings going on in the industry that there's a, a new trailer going to drop with some with the date and everything. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get some news very soon. But Dave, what are your thoughts on the Justice League film being a four-hour film rather than broken up into four one-hour parts? Yeah, I think when they first announced it, I was really excited because I thought, oh, wow, this is really changing how media and comic book content works. Because the idea of taking a film and splitting it up like that, I was like, well, yeah, this is like shows how how much Hollywood is is able to thrive off of these franchises and sort of make the most that they can out of them. But you never wanted it to kind of be like, oh, this is just like one of those director's cuts where it's just got like a bunch of uh, deleted scenes included in it, like kind of like the rogue cut of X-Men where you watch that and you go, oh yeah, that was cool. But I can see why they got rid of everything that was in it kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah. so, and you didn't want to then have four weeks or whatever of just being like, oh yeah, that was cool. But you know, I don't know why that was there, or why that was there, etc. Or, you know, I can see why that wasn't in the original theatrical cut that they did. So I thought that was interesting. But again, I think obviously that was at a different time. I think the fact that now we've had all these delays and all these films have been changed and all of this other stuff is going on HBO Max. And we've had all the Disney Plus stuff that's been delayed. So it means that we've got like double the amount of Marvel shows this this year. I think that has a big amount to do with it is the fact that they're like, look, we don't want to be like selling this as a TV series when we've got like infinite TV series as rivals to us at the moment and i think the fact that they're now looking into making you know peacemaker series and the gotham series i think that they would be it's, it's a more clever move to not confuse people whereas before i thought they would be like oh that's cool they could have the snyderverse will have its own sort of hbo max spin-offs and you know it can have like series and films but now that like so much has changed because of coronavirus and because they want to like level up hbo max i think this makes sense it's like with The Irishman on Netflix. If you want to watch it as a series, then, you know, you're welcome to do so. You can just stop <laughs> halfway in and go watch it, you know, a week later and watch the other half. But again, you know, Zack Snyder's a creative and I'm assuming that I, either there was the business side of it, which was the whole fact that it it might have not worked for the, the service and for the competition, but also it might have just not worked in the edit. They might have been like, you know what, this seems kind of weird. So, you know, let's get the full vision as, as Zack Snyder wanted. And if he's the one saying, yep, this is the way to go, then, you know, that's that's fine with me. Yeah, I that's where I sort of go with this, uh, with this sort of news, because from the sort of very beginning, since obviously he was working on before Joss Whedon came in, he always imagined this as a film. Mm. And, you know, he imagined this to be a huge, big spectacle type of film when... You know, Batman vs. Superman clocks in at three hours, his ultimate edition. You know, Man of Steel is two and a half hours. You know, his Watchmen, the ultimate cut, that's three and a half hours. You yeah. know, so Zack Snyder has always been known these big, long, epic type of films. So that's when they first announced that they were going to do it into four separate parts. I thought, okay, that's interesting. But the way I look at it is that I looked at that and go, that's a business move to keep subscribers coming back rather than, you know, subscribing, watching it, and then sort of canceling the subscription. I thought, okay, that's a, that's a clever way of people of keeping the subscription people there. But at the same time, I was thinking, like, you, from the get-go, I was like, I don't know how that's going to work as an edit because a TV show, the way a TV show is edited is completely different to how a film is structured. So it would seem really weird for, like, maybe an hour into the film for it be, like, a cliffhanger. I'd be like, well, yeah. that, that doesn't quite work. So maybe, like you said, I think maybe because he's editing right now, he's finishing up all the visual effects, he's looking at it, and he's going, you know, I don't think this is going to work. And he's telling the guys, look, I know you want to, for the business, you want to keep this weekly and subscription, but I think this is better as a one-shot, as a four-hour epic. And, you know, the whole reason this is happening is to fulfill his vision. So in a way, they kind of want to make him happy keep him happy and there we, we get what we're, what 
is very much Zack Snyder, a long four-hour epic. And if he had it his way, he's probably got an option in there to watch it in black and white as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Warner Brothers probably as well might have had a say in that. They might have been like, look, we've got too much content now. We can't do this weekly because, as we know, Disney Plus you know, likes to have and Netflix will be like, Friday, this is our new film. This is our new series. They don't like to conflict, you know, have multiple things coming out. So, again, if they've got if they got Godzilla versus Kong or another one of their, you know, in the Heights or some other HBO Warner Brothers film coming out, they're not going to want to have that and you know a part of you know the the Snyder Cut coming out. So it, it makes sense for that as well. Yeah, man, I'm really excited um, to add a little bit more more news to the Snyder Cut. It was um, Henry Lennox confirmed that he's going to be in the film as Martian Manhunter and he confirmed he did go on and do some reshoots with Zack so what do you think of that that's really interesting because he's been teased by Zack Snyder for ages now like on his Vero his little drawings of Martian Manhunter and stuff like that Um, so for me as a DC fan and a Justice League fan of the animated series I'm just really excited that we get to see this guy and uh, and you know Henry Lennox as well as it's pretty good casting for John Jones, if you ask me. Yeah, that's why I was missed from the DCU in general and and the film was, you know, I never felt that like Cyborg quite fit. So I was like, oh, why don't we have like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter from that animated series? Because it worked so well. So, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up too high because it might just be a fleet in cameo sort of thing. But it is still a nice touch. And, you know, again, it's kind of like they did with Avengers and stuff, even though we might have not had original members like the Wasp and stuff like that. You know, you get little tidbits and, and clues to, to certain characters. And we were redeemed later on, you know, where we did actually get, you know, Hope Van Dyne and, and Ant-Man, etc. later on. So, you know, I hope it just means that we will get this character in all his glory later on. And if he has a bigger role in the film than my expectations have then you know i'm gonna have even more fun so yeah i i, I think it's great casting and I, i'm excited to see him because you know i I just fed up of some of these dc characters being like tv level the fact that you know it's nice that he was in the supergirl show but i don't like the fact that they're just like oh yeah martian manhunter's like tv level heroes like no like you know it's like do what marvel's doing like you know vision they put him up on a pedestal they said yeah he deserves to be in like a big you know franchise and then have his own series and everything so the same with Martian Manhunter, like, you know, put him in like the main films and, and make him a member of the Justice League. I think it's really important. That's a really good comparison, actually, having Martian Manhunter as like the vision of the Justice League. That sort of really kind of makes sense, yeah. even though he's not an android, he's an alien. But still, he, he's got a similar sort of power set. He can like go through walls and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's very like logical and smart and looks at things from a logical perspective. And in regards to him being in the movie as well, I just think as well, Zack Snyder's like, you know what? This this is probably the last chance I'm going to get at making a DC movie. I'm just going to have fun and throw it all in there. Do you know what I mean? Why the yeah. fuck not? You know, he's got nothing to lose at this point, I think. so. Yeah. Guy also rocks a blue coat. So yeah. It's great, with an <laughs> awesome big red X in the middle. Yeah. Right. Let's go to the other side of things that's the mcu and that's not one division as everyone's talking about it's a very surprise casting announcement well it's it's not confirmed quite yet but we can pretty much say it is confirmed because we got all the major (laughs) outlets pretty much saying this is happening it's a done deal and that is captain america himself chris evans is returning to the mcu for some future projects now it's worth to note that this is not captain america films or a series or anything it's other marvel projects so dave this is huge news what was your sort of first reaction i'm sure you saw it on your phone or something and as soon as i saw it i was like my jaw just dropped i was like no way because at first i thought it was fake i was like oh is it one of those weird websites and i was like no this is the this is deadline i was like hang on a second and i clicked on it and i was like and then Hollywood Reporter was, was like, oh, this is this is happening. Like, So wh- where's your head at? I don't know. I, I wasn't really surprised by it, to be honest. I don't know why. I was just like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Because even though he said, well, I don't know, throughout the years, he has kind of said, yeah, you know, this is my last one. I'm done. My contract's over. And he, But I think he has said, you know, oh, I'm always open to coming back and all that kind of stuff. And and especially the way they left the character, they did leave it very much with an open door. And 
we all know the comic book properties are open to characters coming back from the dead, etc., and showing up in alternate realities and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't surprised. I was just like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Um, you know, Chris Evans seems like a really nice guy. I'm just so more concerned for where this pops up. Like I said, it could just be like a kind of Tony Stark appearance in Black Widow where it's just a flashback sort of thing. But if they do want to incorporate him into something, it could be in Spider-Man or, you know, Doctor Strange, which might be interesting. But I hope it's not, which some people speculate or one of the theories. I hope it's not when he's an agent of Hydra because I got to be honest, I don't like that storyline. I think that would be lame. I think it would be like if they did that in 20 years or something, fair enough. But I never liked that storyline. I was like, it's especially to have it so close after the sort of, fit it you know like because captain america was so well chris evans as a person as we've discussed is so right for the character because of the patriotism but like choosing the right path and being in control of you know in civil war having like we we should be able to choose and all that kind of stuff and then just like have him then turn up again and be like oh there's an evil version of me which didn't do that i will say as well on a on a real world real life level having captain america currently as what's going on in america right now becoming a hydra agent is probably not the right message you want to send to people (laughs) yeah for me it was shocking i thought you know his story was perfectly done in what we got in the mcu you know that ending in end of game just brought me to tears it was absolutely perfect and he was like tony like tony starts off selfish and he ends up you know doing a selfless act and it's vice versa for Cap. Cap is completely selfless, right, his entire journey, and then right at the end, he does something selfish because he's deserved that. And it's just a completely amazing, fitting ending for these two characters. And and Cap, actually, you know, I started in the MCU having Iron Man as my favorite character, but as the franchise went on, I actually kind of found myself relating and admiring Cap more. Mm. So by the uh, sort of end of Endgame, he was like my favorite character. So... It's really interesting that they're going to bring him back because of that. Mm. However, you know what Marvel are like. They like to play with the fans. I don't think it could... I, you know, mm. I could be completely wrong. I think it could be as cut and dry as he's back. But I don't know. I, th- I have a couple of theories. I think with Secret Invasion coming up, that would be an interesting way of bringing him in. He could literally just be a scroll pretending to be Captain America. Yeah. And that's obviously why you have Chris Evans, so that could work. you got Nick Fury in there, so it definitely could work. Another theory that you sort of pointed out is Doctor Strange. Well, with the multiverse stuff, it could maybe just be like a cameo, like, oh, there's another Captain America in that multiverse or whatever, and he's like, he looks up and he sees the yeah. hole, like, you know, something. <laughs> he's, he's Captain Canada. <laughs> It's exciting, man. I mean, Chris Evans tweeted. I, I love the tweet. He was like, news to me with like the uh, the shrugging emoji. Yeah. And I was like, well, that means nothing because Marvel actors have, mm. you know, uh, recently Tati Alamislani was like, no, 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 I'm not She-Hulk. I'm not a She-Hulk. And then at the Disney Investor Day <laughs> and She-Hulk will be Tati Alamislani. <laughs> Is that what? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah I, I think I would have been surprised if it was like, cap four is being made or something like that i think that would have made me go oh my god so but like you i hope it's just some sort of like fun cameo alternate reality thing a scroll i think would be a really good alternative but nothing that meddles with the story of cap like you said because it ended so perfectly i think that they should just leave that as it is and anything else we see from him is just an alternate reality version of him and also and another important reason why they shouldn't do that agent of hydra thing is because we had that brilliant joke in endgame which was you know in the elevator scene where he's like hail hydra i was like you've done it now that, that was the funny like you know joke to that you don't need to, you know it would it yeah, kill the joke definitely i think so. if you were to do the agent hydra thing just do it in like the what if animated show as a one-off shot like a episode yeah or just have another actor play captain america i think it's just it's i, I don't i don't even mind if they do like oh evil cap you know yeah we do that all the time evil superman and stuff but i don't think you should have the face of that be the guy who's been the face of the real cap i think you would have to make that 
that separation because like you said because it's important for society at the moment where they like they need to differentiate these two versions well, of the, the thing is we're also going to kind of get an evil cap in falcon and the winter soldier with um u.s agent that's it and then obviously if we believe that falcon and the winter soldier is the story of falcon eventually adopting the mal- the mantle of captain america uh, how's that gonna work if Steve Rogers is coming back in some capacity. So he's just going to be like, thanks for holding my shield, man. I'll take it back now. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I just don't want to see Chris Evans as a villain. He's just no, too yeah, nice a guy. Can't that, do that's that. that's can't all do it that. is. <laughs> Speaking of villains, though, and questionable heroes, let's go over to the boys. Mm. Now, <laughs> <laughs> as you all know, me and Dave absolutely adore the boys show. Like season two was... My favorite show of the year. I think it was your favorite show of the year as well. Love everything they're doing. And Eric Kripke, one of the showrunners, he tweeted a picture of a script titled Herogasm. So everybody was absolutely going crazy for this. Uh, well, I say everybody. Everybody who's read the actual comics of this. And Herogasm is... What do you ask it is? It's essentially a superhero orgy. <laughs> does what it says in the tin it's very fitting for the boys and the tone they've set up well in the comics that is i should say so you know how in comic books whenever they do like these big sort of world ending events uh, sort of like crisis on infinite earths that all the all the heroes get involved end game stuff like that you know infinity war where all the heroes come together in the boys what the the seven do and all the other superheroes is they say we're going off world to fight this on you know this alien that's coming to destroy earth and stuff like that so we'll be away for so long and then what they actually do is that they they actually have this private island and they just go absolutely crazy on drugs sex and it's just app it's <laughs> vile it's vulgar it's definitely the boys like if if you guys haven't read the comics you know, I don't know if I should recommend it to you, but check out the six-issue storyline, Herogasm. It's just crazy, and it's so out there and wild. And I'm just... I recently read it, and I was like, oh, my God, how are they going to do this in TV formats? Because when they first announced The Boys, I was saying that. I was like, whoa, that's bold moves. Like, how do you translate that into a show? Because it's so out there. It's so in your face. It's so vulgar. And they've been doing that. They've been really pushing the bar, pushing the boundaries of what a TV show can do, what a superhero show should be. And it looks like they're going to push the bar even more. And it, I know you're not familiar with Herogasm, Dave, but basically from my little explanation there, do you think this is a great addition to the season three of The Boys? I mean, I think it perfectly suits the tone they've already set up. Yeah, well, I took your advice as well and searched up some of the panels, and I'm like, oh my god, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. It sounds, it makes a lot of sense. I think there's also been a kind of without having read the comics myself, but from what I've seen and heard and looked into, there's kind of been a lot of references so far in the series to certain comics and runs as well. So maybe episode titles or certain storylines. So. While they might have not gone there completely in those storylines, because Eric Kripke has kind of made them individual in that way as well, depending on the era that you know it's taking place in and that kind of stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something like that, in which it's a nod to that, but whether it's going to be as batcher crazy or not, I don't know. You know, especially in the context of where the characters are currently after season two. I can I can imagine what you said, the whole, like, go to an island thing. I can imagine Homelander would want to do that. Like, come on, guys, just, like, go chill out. But, you know, again, I can't, like, imagine somebody like Maeve or Starlight being there. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, it, it seems like it, it could work within the context of the story that he set up, that they might go there just to, like, go wild, you know, after they've had, like, a lot of pressure and that kind of stuff. Um, and there's going to be some crazy stuff there. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like um, what's that character with the, the stretchy, stretchy genitalia <laughs> called? I forgot his name. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine it's yeah. I'd imagine it's a bit like that. It's a kind of like oh look, there's that character from the comic, and like he's got you know he's an actual character within that you know within that 
series with like here it was kind of just like a fun nod to him i i it sounds like to me that it might be that kind of situation they're not gonna like fully go there but it'll be like an episode dedicated to it or might be like mm-hmm. a lot of references or just maybe even just the title but but from what you've explained it does sound like something that would happen i think they're gonna go there to a certain limit obviously like you've brilliantly explained they've They've done very similar what the MCU have done is that they've taken like elements from the comics and go, well, let's adopt a bit of that storyline and a bit of that storyline. But they've actually made it their own for TV because obviously TV is a completely different medium to comics and how you tell mm. stories. And I've said it before, I kind of prefer the TV show to the comics because it's got so much more nuance to it. Uh, while the comics is just very much in your face, look at this, lie, like sort of. Uh, with the more vulgar side of things. But I think they definitely could do it because it's just the one episode, episode six of season three. I think they might probably use the setting and, you know, the fact that it is this sort of superhero orgy thing. But where the seven and where the boys are now, character-wise, you could definitely play around with that in that setting. So it'd be fun because it's all set up by Vought as well. Uh, And at the same time, while all the heroes are doing all this dirty stuff you know the boys are on the island as well like staking them out and gathering intel and stuff like that so it definitely feels like we could get a big element of this storyline in the show so i hope we do and i do hope you know they push the bar like let's let's see them go for it you know because every every cricket has been saying recently that you know amazon are letting us do our thing and the, the, he's been wondering, oh, I'm, I'm going to write this, but they're probably going to say no. And then when he gives it to them, they're like, sounds great. Cool. Go ahead. And he's like, whoa. So um, I can imagine with this episode, he's probably he's probably challenging himself to see how far can I push this. So we'll, we'll see. Well, we all know as well the image that season two ended on with Homelander. That's very so I true. Guess that's like, you know, <laughs> guy's got blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll finally see the end to that story. <laughs> right, so let's go on to our last story of the day. And of course, it's the big one. It's the other greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. A clash of titans. And that is Godzilla versus Kong. We finally get our first look with a full-length trailer and it's everything you expect it to be. It's just this epic clash of two of the biggest monster greats in cinema history. Dave, what do you think of the trailer? And are you as excited as I am for this film? We'll talk about the release stuff in a bit, but what do you think of the trailer? Well, I really, I really liked the first Godzilla. I thought I was a bit disappointed that they just like killed off, you know, spoiler, but they just killed off like Brian Cranston and stuff. But at that stage, everyone was like, oh yeah, Brian Cranston, he was like a big thing. Aaron Taylor Johnson was like up and coming. But they, it was kind of just, you know, this film is about Godzilla. It wasn't really about them. I really enjoyed King of the Monsters. I saw that twice, actually, both times on IMAX because I just had that much fun. And it was such a great popcorn movie. And I think that that was a big aspect of it. And that lends a lot to this movie. So I was very pumped for this because I enjoyed the last one so much. But I got to say, I wasn't feeling this trailer that much. I know you said beforehand about people who didn't like it and stuff. I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but I didn't like the music choice. A lot of people didn't like King of the Monsters and a lot of critics slammed in. I was really against it because I was like, look, this is just a fun popcorn film. I, but not on the level of like Transformers. Some people say that about things like Transformers. I'm like, no, that film is just, those films are just stupid and sexist and like, you know, grease people up for no reason. Whereas... I felt that something like King of the Monsters was kind of just, it had the right level of knowing what it was and still paying tribute to like the old Godzilla films. And there was still that majesty to it, that prestige. You had those shots of like Ghidorah coming up and then there was like the cross and what was the, you know, when the, the Firebird came out and like that entire sequence and Mothra, every time she appeared there was like this big eclectic music and it was all like artistic and stuff. So I have always liked that about kaiju stuff. So to me, this seemed like Pacific Rim uprising. It seemed where they were like, yeah, and this make this cool. And, you know, and this show all the different swords and stuff. And I was like, so I didn't like the song choice. And 
I don't know. I think maybe I don't like versus films. I've I've come to notice because I I notice a lot of similarities with this and Batman v Superman's. Trailers. Yes, yeah, I've seen a lot of people put up like shots from but from like the trailer and Batman v Superman and being like the parallels are like right there. Yeah, and I'm like maybe I just don't like versus things because I don't <laughs> like this idea of like. Godzilla's out of control. We need to bring him in line. We need to get him in check and all this. And I'm like, but you've just heralded him as like the kind of hero of the franchise. He like saves the day in the first one. He kind of pretty much saves the day in the second one. So it's like in Batman v Superman. It's the fact that like, oh, Superman's out of control. I need to bring him in line by like beating the crap out of him. And it's like, I'm like, I don't know. So I, I do like the fact that people are doing already doing like Team uh, Team Cap or Team Iron Man is kind of like Team Kong or Team Godzilla, but uh, I'm I'm firmly Team Godzilla because I'm like because these films have made me feel for Godzilla. So I think that I struggled with that as well that they already made him the villain of this film in the trailer. I was like I thought it'd be the other way around. So fair enough. I had so much fun with this trailer. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I just had a blast with this, and it's it's sort of echoing what you said in that this film like the others it knows what it is it's these big fun monster popcorn movies now i probably i'm not as much of a fan of the first one as you are i think it's a decent flick but i was like kind of was like i want more monsters for me there wasn't enough monster action i was like oh godzilla really only shows up at the end so i was like mm. I, I wanted a bit more and then when the kong skull island movie came out I saw the trailer. I was like, yes, this is what I want. More monsters or monster action. And then obviously we got King of the Monsters, which for me absolutely delivered like you. I saw it mm. twice, three t- three times I saw that in the cinemas. Oh, uh, wow. Only the once in IMAX, unfortunately. But it was, I just absolutely adore that film. And then seeing this trailer, like it's in the title. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Like you have to make it bigger. Like yeah. it's it's got to be like you know batman versus superman anyway it's got to be this huge clash of titans type of thing now i i actually appreciate the music taste i don't know if it i don't know if it if you if you're maybe not a fan of the actual music or you don't think it works for the trailer i i'm a fan of both hip-hop and i do think it works for the trailer because in a way it kind of reminds me of the fast and furious films having a sort of song like that in a way I look at these, the MonsterVerse universe, as like a monster version of the Fast and Furious films. Things that don't make sense, that logically don't explain them. They're just fun popcorn films. They know what they are, and they're just having fun with it. Do you know what I mean? So just from the images alone we got, I'm already loving this film because that scene where they're in like a cyberpunk Neo-Tokyo, all the buildings are layered with neon lights that's just gorgeous and just seeing those two like squaring off and like that i love all that stuff but with the to counter your stuff about you know the godzilla or he's like a hero sort of thing i've i'm team godzilla and i don't necessarily think of godzilla as a hero i just think he wants to be the alpha you know what i mean so he doesn't care about the human race he's not defending us from these monsters he's just fighting us. he's just fighting them to prove he is the king. He is the king of the monsters. So, and I, I think it's sort of similar with Godzilla versus Kong. So, although I will say, I am team Godzilla, but I do think Kong is going to come out victorious in this because it kind of makes sense that it, we've had Kong, Skull Island, and now Godzilla versus Kong. In him beating Godzilla, he would be crowned King Kong. So, yeah. It kind of it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that he would win, but you know I'm still rooting for my boy because uh, there looks like they're yeah. gonna do him dirty there. But the whole sort of manipulation thing, like like oh Godzilla's suddenly he's acting a bit different. Mm. I don't know. I want to see how that plays out because yeah, I, that was the only thing I questioned. I was like, what what would control Godzilla? What would manipulate him? So and then and then obviously um, the the jokes go the martha joke is going around again mm-hmm. <laughs> about the <laughs> eventually at the end of the film they're going to reunite because because uh, both their mothers is mothra and um they're going to team up to fight doomsday so yeah we'll see if that happens but you know obviously not like that but there is an element i think that that's it could happen maybe 
if that external threat, that so-called manipulating Godzilla, what is that? And I don't know. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I just want a fun flick. That's what I mean. And Yeah. I think I love the like speculation people that go into with it. And again, I don't I, I don't have an issue with the mad cat monster stuff because again, I loved Godzilla King of the Monsters. So, you know, I'm all for that. I think that it's really fun. So but like you said, I think it does come down to taste. I just I'm not a big hip hop fan. I like loads of styles of music, but that's one of my least favorite. I had the same thing when I watched like Hamilton. I was like, as much as people love that musical, I was like, uh, this is hard for me to get into. But I got more into it once it got more traditional kind of songs at the end. And yeah, I found that with this one again, it was just the visuals like you. I loved that like neon Tokyo stuff. I thought that was good. But I just didn't like some of the like when God uh, Kong is jumping off the boat and the explosions behind him. I was like, that's a bit too much on the nose. I could kind of get on board in King of the Monsters where they're kind of having that element of like, oh no, the storm is chasing us and it's the end of the world, blah, blah. We have to go underwater to find humanity's origins. All of that I thought was like really stupid and fun. But I, and it was kind of referencing those end of the world movies, but I don't want it to be at the cost of the integrity of Godzilla and Kong, in which Kong then becomes Bruce Willis, like jumping away from explosions <laughs> and that kind of stuff. So, and I think it's also just the, the cast as well. I think it's just the fact that I would have been happy if they just sticked with Millie Bobby Brown and her dad and maybe one of the other. It was too bad that like so many of the monarch people had died in King of the Monsters, like Ken Watanabe. I think that he brought a lot of prestige to this franchise. So the fact that they then had that actress who was saying that she was looking after the girl who spoke to King Kong and com- could communicate with him. And they kept like cutting back to her and she's like, it's Godzilla. And like they kept like doing, they kept having those lines of like, they're going to fight and like oh my god and i was just like right we get it i was like it was just a bit too hokey for me and again this is coming from somebody who loved the hokiness of king of the monsters so maybe some of those lines is a bit sort of in your oh look at this like of course like it's setting up the fight but there was one line i did like and it was kong bows to no one oh when she said that i was like oh yeah and with the music thing as well i just thought it gave the sort of energetic pumping sort of fist like you're in a boxing ring sort of vibe i don't know maybe it's just because i've the recent like rocky films are now creed that's got a lot of hip-hop in it and stuff so yeah well that's i mean if they make it work for the context of the film i don't mind and i think that what you said is is if they're doing that on a marketing level it's quite clever that they're like oh we kind of had a bit of a financial dip with king of the monsters so maybe we should be appealing to the younger generation who love fast and the furious with this kind of like you know, modern vibe, which is what they kind of tried to do for Pacific Rim Uprising. So if it's still a good film and still like got that epicness prestige to it, but they're just sort of applying that extra filter to it, I don't mind. But if it's just like stup- done for stupid reasons, then that's just why I won't, won't be on board with it. So I think it's more that like, I, I think that it looks good, but I just didn't personally like the trailer. I just didn't think that the trailer did the film justice. Whereas I still think a lot of the stuff I'm seeing looks great and is a lot of the, the, the good things from from the previous film. And I do, you know, again, I know a lot of people have problems with like, oh, it's just, you know, people bashing toys together and stuff. But a lot of kaiju films are like that. You know, that's where, you know, the days of people just dressing up in costumes of moths and three-headed creatures and and jumping around the place and... I love the people already there speculating like, oh yeah, Mecha Godzilla is going to appear and it's going to be piloted by Millie Bobby Brown. And then there's people saying about Mecha Ghidorah, which like you said, maybe that is going to be the actual, this is the unified thing that we now need to combine and fight against because at that end credit scene in King of the Monsters, there was still the head of Ghidorah. So you know, maybe Charles Dance is going to appear on the back of that or <laughs> um, something like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, so sort of follow on what you said about the trailer not doing it justice. Let's talk about the actual release date because watching this trailer, I was like, oh my God, this film looks massive. It looks huge. Do you know what I mean? This film needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible with like the, the best sound system possible. And I'm watching it on my, you know, I've got a 4K TV, it's a pretty good size, but I'm still like, this is way too small to watch this film. 
So it kind of made me even more mad that, you know, about the fact that they go, oh, this film's going to be premiering on HBO Max um, and, in, and in theaters when it open. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm hoping by May there might be something, probably not, but I'm, I'm fingers crossed. But then they go ahead and move it up to March, which to me just seems, what are you doing? I understand is like, oh, we, we want more people to come to HBO Max earlier, get some more subscribers. I was like, but you've got ju- you got the Justice League coming out in March. That's your big attraction in that month. Like, why are you moving this big, huge film that deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible, taking the opportunity away from people, especially us over here in Europe, where, you know, the, uh, there's probably the majority of Europe now is in some form of lockdown and we'll be in lockdown for for a while, you know, we're definitely not going to be open in March, I tell you that, so I don't know, i just really disappointed in this move, I question it, I'm like, why? Why? Mm. Yeah, I think, like, everything is just, I kind of just saw it as, like, where's, unlike things like Kingsman, which I had maybe more of a personal connection to, I just kind of saw it as more, like, 2021 release madness, I was just like, it's like, another thing on top of the pile of just, like, like you said, like, why? What are you doing? I was like, but I didn't get like strong feelings towards it because I just kind of saw it as another like, all right, well, let's just see how this goes. It's like Wonder Woman again. It's just like, we'll just watch the madness unfold of like, you know, them thinking that, I don't know, it doesn't even seem like they're, what I was thinking about earlier when I watched the trailer and actually what I was thinking in terms of not enjoying the trailer was as much, I would be actually tempted to say, you know what? regardless of what the cinema situation is like if it was on rental i think this is one of the few films one of the big blockbusters i would go i'm gonna wait i'm gonna see maybe if it does come out in the cinema at some point because that trailer to me like you said looks like it needs to be seen on the big screen and if it does come out on the small screen and there isn't cinemas open i will go now you know like i said black widow I think that, yeah, I would begrudgingly watch it on a television, but, you know, ultimately hope that I would get to see it later on because, again, you want to know what everyone's talking about. But that, I would be like, you know what? No, I'm just going to wait, you know, because I think it needs to be seen on the big screen. And if they do want to, like, push it ahead, what I was thinking is maybe they want to push it for the Asian market because it is such a strongly connected franchise to places like japan and i don't know whether china has like a history of strong box office performance with the godzilla films or not but maybe they're bringing it forward because they want to try and get it into the asian market before summer depending on what might happen there in terms of their releases um so maybe they've seen a gap there and maybe they're hoping that there'll be a bit more box office from from that side of the globe so when they look at a global release they think like oh yeah you know Asia's got all this money for us, whereas, of course, unfortunately, Europe doesn't... Sometimes does give Hollywood a lot of money, but uh, the UK specifically doesn't give us... No, it doesn't give as big a chunk as somewhere like China can. So that might be an element of it. Something I just looked up as well, and this was a big part of whether I was on board with this project as well. Um, The guy who directed King of the Monsters... A lot of the reason I loved what he did with that was because he, like, took elements of, like, the old kaiju films. And, like I said, he he was very knowingly, like, this is a stupid end-of-the-world disaster film. But he still added that prestige to it. And he, so he directed that film, but he hasn't directed this one. So I, that's why I'm a bit like, oh, you know, I, th- I feel that some of the aspects I loved about King of the Monsters maybe came from uh, Michael Dowertry is his name. Interestingly, he worked on the story for X-Men Apocalypse. He also directed Krampus and Trick or Treat. If you've seen Trick or Treat, that's another great example of like taking a kind of stupid Halloween-y film but having that extra prestige to it. So he's still working on the story for this, but I am sad that he's not directing and that's what gives me a bit more trepidation about it. The guy who is directing is Adam Wingard, who the biggest thing he's done is like Death Note for Netflix and Blair, the Blair Witch remake from a few years ago. So I'm like, eh, not, not as good a track record as Michael Dougherty, who has, he, he, he was a writer on X2 for God's sake. So, yeah, but you know. <laughs> I also think back to the first Godzilla and that was the introduction of Gareth Edwards. So, yeah. you know, it's, I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt because you just never know. Some people just knock it out the park with, with a new project and you 
it's also a different. I'm sure it's a completely different crew and a different set of writers and everything he's working with. So you know, different collaborations can ob- ob- can sometimes make it worse or even make it better. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm seeing a lot of similarities from this, so I'd probably say that some of the crew are the same. And if Michael Dougherty's doing the story, then there is still that element of like he's seeing the story through from the last one. So, like story-wise, it might still give me exactly what I want, but it might just not have that like directorial. I don't want to say flair because that's probably unfair. It might just not be to my preference of what Michael Dougherty does and what I like in a director for a blockbuster than what Adam Wingard might do. But again. It might have just been the trailer. I just didn't like the trailer, but I think the film does look good and it has some amazing shots and visuals and stuff. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think I'm with you. I think as much as I really want to see this, I'm going to see what the situation is like closer to the time of the release. And if, mm. if, you know, if the UK does seem like we might get something in the summer, maybe then I'm, I'm hoping they might open with, oh, we got these films that is like a backlog or something like. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to hold on just, just to see how it goes. But um, yeah, we'll see. Much anticipation for that film. And with that is the end of the news, Dave. Uh, let's get out of here then. We've spoken about a lot, some Marvel, some DC, some monsters. So uh, on our next show, we're actually going to be doing a discussion piece. And it's going to be about the DC animated movies. So DC have a good track record, I would say, with all their animated films. So we're going to be going in depth, talking about some of the films we like, some of the films we maybe didn't like. Why are they so popular? Why do they maybe get it better than the live action stuff? So yeah, plenty of stuff to discuss there. And we will also be bringing on a special guest, but we will wait until the show to talk about him. So... In the meantime, though, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're on at Capes, Cows, and Masks. And, you know, if you liked us, subscribe, follow us to Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling generous, also give us a review. And if you're like us and huge MCU fans, also check out our One Division reviews. We'll be doing weekly reviews with special guest Tom Gapper, and we're having a good time so far. So spread the word, share the love of CCM to all your friends. Dave, where can the people find you? You can catch me on Twitter at David Osgar. That's O-S-G-A-R. You can also catch me on Letterboxd and on the website I run, edit, and write for, which is freshtakehub.com. Hopefully, we've got some great stuff coming out this year. There's been loads of stuff that's been delayed and been in the pipeline. So hopefully now, again, going through all that stuff, now that I've been able to sort out my old comic book collection, hopefully I can can get these these projects finished because obviously they they hold up... uh, production on <laughs> on websites <laughs> yeah i'll go with that so uh yeah uh, stay tuned for that like I said please do check out the wonder revision uh wonder revision that we <laughs> yeah wonder revision sorry i've been going through old school books as well as uh comic books uh wonder vision series review that we're doing uh the last one uh was me and tom so that'd be the latest one out where we're talking about now in color so yeah we had a great time discussing that and uh yeah, please, uh, like I said, if you check out my Twitter, then you'd be sure now that, you know, certain individuals are not on Twitter, then I'm in a much happier place and I'm just posting pictures of Lego minifigures to cheer up everyone's day. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I saw that when you uh, did the one of Emmett in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked me up. You bust me up, Dave. I, I put him on the soap holder now. It's, it's kind of like, He'll cheer me up every day. I'll like <laughs> get up in the morning, wash my hands. Like, ah, oh, thanks, Emmett. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sweaty Jake. And also check out my letterbox where I've got some plenty of hot takes on films I've been watching. So with that, everyone, please stay safe. Take it easy. And we'll see you very soon on the next episode of Capes, Cows and Masks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.